We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good evening Love and welcome to Good evening and welcome to Inside the Huddle. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs. Uh, we're joined by TJ Inman and Nick Holmes. Uh, sorry for the disconnect there. Uh, we had some technical difficulties. Hopefully, uh, TJ calls back in soon. Uh, guys, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing, Sammy? Uh, doing okay. Battling a head cold, uh, but uh, some writer at Penn State spent the entire game sneezing on me, so... Uh, that was fun. Um, but other than that, very well. Good. How about you, TJ? You with us? Yeah, you got me? Yeah, I got you. I, uh, we got you. Okay. Yep. Yeah, good. Yeah, I am. I'm doing great. Doing great. Uh, glad to be back on. Yeah. Uh, well, today we're... a fun game to talk about, but we will, we will soldier on and talk about it nonetheless. Yeah, you know, you have to talk about them all, whether, you know, they they all can't be great, but they have to be talked about. Uh, anyway, True. today we're we're going to wrap up the uh, IU's 29-7 loss at Penn State. Uh, it was a game that was kind of doomed from the beginning. Uh, they were without Nate Sudfeld and running back Jordan Howard. Uh, the offense just couldn't get it going. I think they held them out uh, because they weren't 100%, and Wilson knew that this week – against Rutgers is huge, uh, and you couldn't risk further injury uh, to Sudfeld and Howard. Uh, it sounded like he wasn't really – Sudfeld wasn't really 100%. He couldn't really protect himself in the pocket against an aggressive defensive front. Like, Yeah, I, I think um, since we don't know all the information, it's hard to say that was a good decision, bad decision, whatever – uh, it's a decision that I trust. Um, I think that out of anyone that is, you know, criticizing the move on Twitter or criticizing the move on talk radio, or if, you know, we were to get on here and praise or criticize the move either way, um, I, mean, I think that we can all agree that Kevin Wilson and the IU medical staff and Nate Sudfeld and Jordan Howard um, they all know more about the injury and those guys, their individual health situations than any of us do. Uh, and any of the people that are on Twitter maybe complaining or questioning the decision. Uh, I know that it's a game that IU fans wanted to have, and there's no doubt that having uh, Nate Sudfeld, you know, I think he was probably the closer of the two to playing, it seemed like. So I know that having those guys would have you know, increased IU's chances of winning that game at the very least being competitive in it. But like you said, there's a bigger picture to consider. And there's, you know, if you're talking about a guy being unable to protect himself in the pocket against, you know, a defensive stalwart like Carl Nassib, 
um, you know, you're, you're talking about a guy's, you know, future maybe. So I, I think that in the end you have to trust that the coaching staff and the medical staff have, you know, the team and the players' best interest at heart. Uh, and that, that it gives them a better chance to be to be ready to go this Saturday. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And, you know, people, especially our, our Twitter on Who's Your Huddle, and I, I appreciate comments and intelligent conversations, yeah. uh, but when you see people saying, oh, they're down 19-7, they should put Sudfeld in uh, when uh, Diamant got hurt, you know, if you're not going to start him, you're not going to play him down 19-7, and you're certainly not going to play him down 26-7. Uh, so just mm-hmm. stop with the nonsense. Um, it's a game that would have been nice to win, but if you win the game and he gets hurt and he's out the rest of the season, you're going to finish 5-7. and seven. That's the, the bottom line. It's it, You know, it would have been a nice feather in the cap, but, you know, a bowl game is more important right now than, than winning one game at Penn State. So... Uh, Nick, what did you see on the game from home? Uh, you wrote your uh, finishing up your good, bad, and the ugly piece. What did you see from home that really, you know, stuck out for you? Yeah, like you said, this is this was kind of an odd game because it was hard to take away a lot from it because you know because the offense wasn't in there keeping uh, drives going. You had the defense shuffling back on the field quite often. But really, I was, uh, and we talked about this. Where where did the defense fit within your good, bad, and the ugly? And I, I consistently moved them from the ugly to the bad, and then I just split it in half and said, you know, that second half was actually pretty good. They only gave up ten points, 110 yards, and we we all admitted, you know, Penn State set on the ball a little bit in that fourth quarter because I think you know Franklin Franklin wanted to get out of that game without any injuries, and he realized that we were playing. Um, with a hand tied behind our backs, so he wasn't going to pull a Bielema and try to run up, you know, 40 points on us. You know, he's a little classier guy than Bielema. I think we all saw what Bielema did this weekend. But (laughs) I digress. I digress. You know, I think think the defense did enough, had the offense been anywhere near 100%, to keep it it close. And I think at the beginning of the year, that's what we said. The defense, if they can keep opposing teams under 30 points, the Hoosiers will have a chance in any game. And I believe that probably would have been the case this weekend as well. Yeah, I I agree with you, Nick. And and it really is hard to take this for what it is when they're playing. So you said with one hand, it's almost two hands tied behind their back on offense. Um, So you really shouldn't jump off the, you know, basically take a step off the ledge, take a deep (laughs) breath. IU is at their two best, best players. Uh, they have a, a monster game on Saturday. This, If you want to put all your eggs in the basket for Saturday, I'm fine with it. Because if you lose this game, you're heading up to Michigan State, and you're probably going into that bye week at 4-4. Four and four, And all those good things that you started the season out 4-0 uh, and oh are gone. Um, so uh, go ahead, put all your eggs in one basket this week, uh, and that's fine. Uh, but don't take Penn State uh, – you know, for you know, take it for what it is. It was a game where IU was missing their first uh, two players. They did make some mistakes. There are some concerns uh, with and more injuries now. With Xander Diamant going down, is probably going to miss a couple of weeks with the right shoulder injury. Isaac Griffith is out for the year with a knee injury. Uh, they lose Zeke Walker. Uh, he got injured in the Ohio State game with a Liz Frank injury, which is a foot injury. 
that takes a long time to heal from. I, I, a couple of baseball players that for teams I root for had them, and it took them over a year and a half to get back. So, um, and Dan Feeney. Oh, and Dan Feeney. Um, but he he said Dan Feeney should be should be good to go. Uh, but oh well. Dan no, I was just, I was talking about a couple Dan years Feeney ago. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's it's an injury that's that's pretty common, but it's tough to come back from. So, uh, you know, they were lucky to get out of there with without worse damage than that. Um, so you know, all all the the eggs are in the basket for this week. Yeah, I agree. I think one thing I did want to point out on the defense, um, you know, second half I thought was was very good. Uh, first half I thought that was uh, it was a pretty disappointing performance. Uh, just in terms of tackling, plus a couple of big plays that they gave up to uh, to the running backs, which, you know, to be fair to both sides here, Penn State was missing their top two running backs, which, uh, you know, they have better overall depth than Indiana does. Um, but, yeah, they were without Saquon Barkley, without Akeel Lynch. I think that Saquon Barkley is a big part of, of what they would like to do on offense. He's a very explosive player that they are really going to want to have back for this Saturday uh, when they travel to Ohio State. But, you know, they were without him, and I, I thought that IU um, did kind of a poor job in the first half of, of tackling both the wide receivers, um, of tackling, I believe it was Nick Scott um, and Jordan Allen. Both of them had a couple of big runs apiece that, kind of got Penn State's offense a little bit of uh, momentum that they otherwise have not had very often this season. Uh, and it, it helped helped open up their passing game some so that they were able to take some shots down the field. Uh, it was clear, if you've watched Penn State this season, uh, it was clear that they decided to be a lot more aggressive on offense than they had been in the past. Uh, they definitely saw some things on tape in the IU secondary that they wanted to try and exploit for the most part. Um, I thought that Richard Fant had a uh, pretty solid game. Uh, he broke up a couple of deep passes that were targeted at him, uh, mm-hmm. and eventually they just decided to go somewhere else. Um, the only times that they really went at Fant after those first couple of deep balls were on quick slants that, you know, they're they're tough for a corner to give up, um, to, to break up those passes. You're just trying not to give up big yards when the receiver catches them and just hold them to like four or five, but they ended up going elsewhere and picking on uh, a couple of different guys. Notably, Noel Padmore got burnt on a on kind of inside post route. But, you know, I thought the tackling was, was subpar in the first half. It was good to see uh, improvements in the second half that, like you said, was a little bit aided by Penn State sort of easing up and just both teams trying to get through it, especially in that fourth quarter. It was just kind of a, hey, can we just <laughs> call this a, a truce and go home and just get get healthy? But um, I, one thing that I do want to point out as not a not a concern, because I'm not, not worried about the offensive line, but they were not very good on Saturday. Um, and I, I know you guys have both mentioned this. Uh, it's I, I'm not worried about it long-term, moving into the Rutgers game. As a matter of fact, I think that the offensive line will probably be pretty disgusted with the tape when they see it. Uh, and I think that they'll respond in a big way. That's, that's what 
this group's track record is that they're going to play well more times than not. So I expect a good performance on Saturday from them. But uh, I didn't think that they were particularly sharp on Saturday, and I, I know that uh, Kevin Wilson had some comments that sort of insinuated that as well with uh, uh, at least one player being taken out because he wasn't playing well. Um, so I, that is one of the things that I thought was uh, tough to watch because you expect you expect the offensive line to be one of the rocks of your team, and it generally has been. So it was surprising to see that. And I know that Penn State has a very good defense, especially up front, but uh, – you know, you don't expect the offensive line to have a poor game like you did on Saturday. Yeah, and the, the player you alluded to was Wes Martin, uh, where somebody uh-huh. asked if he was injured today, and he and Wilson said that he he just played bad, uh, poorly and, and was taken out for his performance. Uh, but he got back in there, and, you, you know, take into account, they played the two best defensive fronts uh, in the Big Ten so far uh, yep. in the last two weeks. So they did have to work it out for them. But you're right, uh, you'd expect this offensive line to play a little bit better, give Xander Diamond a little bit more time uh, to throw the ball, to get guys open. Uh, but there are some concerning things. Um, one of the comments um, Wilson made after the game was that guys were making selfish plays um, and, and were trying to make plays for themselves instead of making the wrong, the correct play. Uh, so that might contribute into your missed tackles and stuff like that where it was by far their worst tackling performance of the season. So uh, there's definitely a ton of things to clean up, a lot of things to be concerned about. But at the end of the day, they're four and two, six games in, and they're right where they should be. Um, So uh, are are they trending down right now? Sure. But they have a big game coming up on Saturday. It's very winnable against a a Rutgers team who gave Michigan State all it could handle. But, um, there are definitely things to improve upon. I know, I know, I harp on this about every week, or I have for the last few weeks. And and penalties, uh, you know, eight for sixty-five doesn't look terrible on the stat sheet, but it was the timing of those penalties. Um, just like in last week, where there was a couple couple penalties, and there was a couple penny penalties in Wake Forest that that stalled a couple IU drives. This week you had the uh, illegal hands in the face, and that cost IU uh, a fumble recovery deep in Penn State territory. And then there was the um, unfortunate sideline uh, penalty that uh, was on, a, I believe, on a six-yard first down run. So IU, instead of looking at a second and four, moved to, I think it was a first and 19. And as you know, at the end of that particular drive, that's when Diamont got hurt. Uh, I'm not saying that that – penalty led to that, but the timing was interesting for certain. Yeah, yeah plus and, those, and the two offside that gave them first downs on uh, on short yeah. yardage situations. IU had a pair of offsides. You know, those are those are penalties that I would imagine. I've never coached football, but I would imagine those are ones that a coach really cannot stand because they're they're just mental mistakes that mm-hmm. just give your opponent an advantage that, you know, and IU has, has been pretty strong on third down defense uh, or in short yardage situations. They've actually been pretty strong on defense. You don't give your chance, yourself a chance to make a play in that scenario. You just give the offense five yards. That's that's really, really uh, a recipe to, to lose a, a game that, against an evenly matched opponent or an opponent that you know is slightly better than you. You just can't afford to, to give them yards like that. So, 
yeah, the, the penalties, um, again, were, you know, a bit of a concern. I, I know that uh, that's one of those, quote-unquote, small things, people call it, but it's really not a small thing at all. Yeah, and some of those offsides you could live with if it's because you're trying to beat the snap. Uh, if it, uh-huh. uh, You know, I was on my way down to the field, so I didn't see the two offsides penalties. If it was something where they, you know they're not going to run a play and and just fall for that um, hard count, that's something you can't live with. But there, there are penalties where the guy is trying to time up the snap and just misses it by by a fraction of a second <laughs> is offside. And, and those are things that you can live with. But um, you're right, the timing of the penalties is awful. They had, you know, our turning point of the game was that uh, hands-to-face penalty where two plays later they score a touchdown, then IU comes mm-hmm. back with a nice drive and scores. And, and you could say the onside kick getting no points off of that too mm-hmm. uh, was also a, a, a big time in the game. But if you get that fumble and, and get the ball into the end zone or get some points onto the ball board, you take the crowd out. And Chris Bryant just hit a two-run homer, uh, by the way. Uh, sorry, uh, interrupting the podcast for a Cubs update. Um, you're, you're dating but, the podcast now. Yeah. <laughs> no, Chris Bryant hits um, two-run homers all the time. Nobody's going to know which one it was. <laughs> yeah, it, it was one of them. It, so, um, anyway, the, the timing of those penalties is really killer. Um, and, and who knows, if you score first in that game, take the crowd out, maybe – Force Hackenberg into some longer throws, which he wasn't really completing at the beginning. Uh, but credit James Franklin and, and that offensive coordinator there. They they called the right plays. They called some quick uh, throws to get Hackenberg comfortable in the pocket and, and really negate uh, the IU pass rush. Who's doing a, a great job Saturday and getting there? And I think Nick Mangieri was being held on every play as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah, that was frustrating to watch. He, he had a good yeah, game. So, he had a good game. Zach Shaw had a good game, and I thought Richard Fant had a good game. So those three uh, were kind of standouts to me. I, I, since we're kind of talking about stats that stood out, uh, one of the ones that, and like we said, it's hard to take too much on the offensive side of the ball out of this game because it was, I mean, you know, at one time in still meaningful snaps, you had Danny Cameron hand the ball off to – Mike Majette, I mean, uh, you know, or even earlier in the game, you had Danny uh, Cameron handed off to Alex Rodriguez. So, you know, it, I know you say next man up and all that, but that, that's really debilitating injury stuff. But all that being said, IU crossed the 50 five different times and got a total of seven points. And that, that's, you know, you're getting into scoring zone territory Anytime you cross the 50, you can consider it somewhat of a scoring chance and to only get seven points out of that. I know it's something that uh, the IU coaches are, or the players are definitely not going to be pleased with and, and look to improve upon next week, hopefully with, uh, with you know, a, a more full personnel. But no matter who's playing, you've got to do better than, than seven points out of five trips inside the opponent's territory. Yeah, and the, the one thing you can take offensively from that from that game is that you're not going to be able to survive without um, without Sudfeld and, and Howard. Divine Redding is a nice backup player, uh, but he can't carry the load as a full-time running back. Uh, and even when if Howard comes back and Sudfeld's out, you need the passing game because if they stack nine guys in the box, Howard doesn't have that breakaway ability that Tevin had 
uh, to really, you know, stretch that defense and, and make them respect the deep play. So the, the thing that comes away the most is that IU needs Nate Sudfeld to come back. They need him to be 100%, and they need him to stay healthy if they're going to have, uh, you know, accomplish the, the goals they set out for this season. Uh, TJ, I know you have to go at 10 to 8, uh, so we'll say oh, I'm, I'm fine. farewell. I'm fine. I'm okay. fine. I can uh, uh, I can stay. Yet uh, I'll just he took care of himself. How about that? <laughs> All right. Um, well, let's uh, let's move on and talk Rutgers a little bit before uh, Wednesday, since Nick won't be with us Wednesday. Uh, Nick, well, what are what are I, some things? What, well, what are some things that, a... that? Go ahead. Uh, I was going to ask you what what are some things that that IU needs to do to to beat Rutgers this week. Well, I mean, it kind of ties in with uh, what we saw on Saturday. Even when uh, Iamon and Cameron were getting the ball on the mark, there were far too many drops. And I thought I thought you know after the first few weeks of the season that we were past that for the most part. And it's it's mm-hmm. really reared its ugly head the last couple of weeks. And it's it's unfortunate, especially when you have inexperienced quarterbacks and they're trying to make plays and your your veteran receivers and tight ends are letting the ball slip through their mitts. Um, no fingers to be pointed, but that's just an area that if even when Seifeld comes back, even, I mean, those guys are going to have to step it up um, quickly because the defense, like I said, is doing enough. Now, for the first week, for the first game all season, IU did not win the turnover battle. It was one-to-one, you know, it was net zero for the game, and that's the first time all year. And I think that, you know, played a big role in the game turning out 29-7. to Now, if we would have forced a few turnovers, would we have done anything with it? Well, like you said, we didn't do anything with the onside kick and or the, or the fumble earlier in the game. So, you know, it's going to be taking – and making the most of every opportunity that you have, regardless of who's standing in the pocket making throws. And the guys out there on the field need to start making plays more consistently because that was that was really frustrating, um, I, be, I would have to believe, for, for Cameron to come in there and see, you know, they weren't the easiest passes to catch, but uh, it's, it's a little um, demoralizing for him to uh, sit back there, take a hit, and – Watch the ball slip through uh, through a talented, experienced tight end's hands. Yeah, and and um, you know to go along that Wilson made comments after the game that offense has just been a grind, uh, and that they have earned everything that they got, and they need some big plays, and they need to make it easier on themselves. Uh, which leads me to my next point is uh, you know kickoff returns, and it's been atrocious this year and and, and Damon Graham needs to be moved off of the kickoff team just like he needs to be moved from the backup uh, slot position uh, because he just you know he can't do it he's not catching the ball he's bobbling kickoffs he's not getting anything going and they need as good as field position uh, to start with to take some pressure off of this offense um, and start it like that And, and Rutgers is a team who I think has around 22% touchback rate. So kicks are going to be uh, returnable. So I'd like to see them put um, Mitchell Page back there. I know it's exposing him to a little bit more of a violent hit, uh, but you need something in the the kickoff return game. 
Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that at all. Um they've got to try something different. I know they've tried different players back there, but uh, Damon Graham does not appear to be the answer. Um I you know, Devontae Williams has gotten some shots and I thought at the very least he looks explosive. The results have not have not shown that to be the case. So maybe he's not uh, maybe he's going a he's little out. bit faster. He might be out for the year. Um, Devontae Williams, uh, Wilson has hinted okay. that he might well, then, be lost for the year with a knee injury. Okay. Well, then he can't return kicks, then, can he? No. No, um, no. But, so, yeah, yeah Mitchell Page, I, I'd be fine with Mitchell Page because I do think he has done um, – there have been a few punt returns that, you know, besides just the one he returned for a touchdown, there have been a few that – he has made the right decision on and then made a couple guys miss and gotten more yards than what you expected him to. Uh, so at the very least, I think he'd be an upgrade uh, there at kick return. Yeah, and special teams could play into that game on Saturday because Rutgers does have an explosive return guy that can make some things happen um, if you give him the chance to. So hopefully IU uh, continues to do a good job on the coverage units. I, one, one name that I did want to bring up, um, going back to Saturday's game, just because we haven't had a chance to talk to him about it yet this season, uh, I thought that in very limited carries, obviously, I thought Andrew Wilson did a nice job. Um, mm-hmm. He's a guy that has has really battled injuries. He's had a it's had a tough go of it so far in his career, but I know he's a real grinder that has worked really hard to get to where he is, and it was good to see him get a chance to, at the very least get a carry, um, and I thought that he did a nice job when he got the ball. You know, nothing spectacular, but his runs were better than anything else that uh, than IU got on the ground. So, with the exception of DM Hunt having a couple in the first half. So, um, kudos to Andrew Wilson for, number one, sticking with it through some injuries and uh, coming back to, to contribute on Saturday. And, you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him – wouldn't me. mind seeing him get a crack at it in uh, – you know, maybe some short yardage situations uh, if Howard is not 100%. Or if Howard's not able to go at all, I wouldn't mind seeing Andrew Wilson maybe get a few more carries than he did on Saturday um, and get a, get a larger share because I thought he looked pretty positive. Um, anyway, on to the, the Rutgers game. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be really important for IU to get off to a good start. And we talk about that and it's a cliche and all that, but I – I do feel like this is a a Rutgers team that things have not gone well for them so far this season. However, they do have some guys that can beat you single-handedly. Leontay Kerr is one of them. He can absolutely change the game every time he touches the ball. Um, and I think that if you can get off to a good start, number one, to build momentum for yourself at home after a disappointing Saturday, which is totally understandable with the injuries and uh, Penn State played well, can't take anything away from them. So it's all understandable. It's nothing to panic about. But if you don't get off to a good start on Saturday, you know, I think those thoughts creep into your head about where where's the 4-0 team? Where'd they go? Um, so I think it's going to be important for IU to get off to a good start, number one, to put a Rutgers team that has had a disappointing season so far. Just don't give them any thoughts of getting their season going on Saturday, you know, don't let them get into the game and uh, and hang around with you or get ahead of you. Um, and then number two, just to, like I said, 
get the crowd behind you, make sure that everybody knows, okay, yeah, we lost two in a row, but, you know, this 4-0 team is no fluke. We're we're going to get to 5-2. We're going to handle business here. So I think that a good start is going to be crucial no matter who's playing at quarterback. And my second thing that's a key point or whatever, and it's something that IU doesn't necessarily have control over, but it's the health. I mean, they've got to be healthy on Saturday, as healthy as possible. Uh, and I'm talking about Sudfeld and Jordan Howard, particularly Nate Sudfeld. They they just need to have him play. Um, if he's not healthy, obviously you can't put him out there, but I really, really hope he's able to give it a go. Yeah, you're exactly right. Before we uh, close up here, uh, TJ, you're spot on. They need to get the crowd into this game because if you fall behind early, that place might turn into a morgue uh, come Saturday afternoon. Um, and and we'll, us three will all be down there, so we'll have lots of uh, uh, coverage from that game. Uh, Nick, final final thought on, on Penn State uh, and what needs to happen going forward. Uh, minimize penalties or at least or just try to be more opportune when you have a penalty. I know that's really hard to control. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's like you both said, they need to get going early and they need to take advantage of opportunities, of, of turnovers. Of, you know, if you're going to take a chance to get an onside kick and you recover it, you really need to do something with it because, like you said, that could have really turned the momentum and put a lot of pressure pressure on Hackenberg. And Manjuri and Shaw were getting to him somewhat regularly, and uh, that could have played into their hands a little bit more than it did. So, yeah, I, I agree. Get to get going early. Yeah. All right, guys, thanks for uh, joining me. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday, TJ. Uh, enjoy the rest of your evening, guys. Absolutely. Thank you, Sammy. We'll talk on Wednesday. Have a good week, everyone. All right. See you guys. All right. That does it for our wrap-up show at Penn State. IU has a big one on Saturday. It's homecoming, uh, and we're looking forward to covering the game. They're playing Rutgers at 3.30 at Memorial Stadium. So uh, we'll see uh, who, who's what's going to happen. It's a must-win. Uh, so... It, they need their best for a week of practice, and we'll see what, what comes up. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. 
The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.